happy, happy Father's Day to you, and hope this is a great day. I hope your wives treat you like a diva that you really are, okay? So uh, uh, we're glad to have you with us today. We are ending a uh, series called End of Your Rope, and uh, within this series, uh, this is, uh, this is uh, from the letter uh, to First Peter, so if you would turn there with me. Uh, we're going to finish our series here today uh, in this whole, this whole End of Your Rope thing. And through this, I don't know about you, but for me, this has been an extremely challenging uh, series, of, series of messages. Um, we have really, you know, we've talked about uh, what it means to pray for uh, people in government or uh, pray for our authorities. We've talked about how to deal with hidden wounds. We've talked about, uh, we, we, we've talked about a lot of stuff. And I hope, like I said, I hope that the Spirit of God has just really captivated your heart and has uh, challenged you and that you've actually allowed God to, uh, you know, uh, to, to begin to work with you in some areas where uh, you may have otherwise uh, not been lined up the way that, that, he was, uh, that he's been seeking you to be lined up. And so today we're going la- to end with one last big hoorah of a topic, and that's called suffering. And as we talk about suffering, that's one of those things where uh, a lot of times we can say, well, I've really been suffering. You know, I've been suffering over this. I've been suffering because I'm paying $4 a gallon for gas, or I've been suffering because, you know, my car's not running right or whatever. And and again, I don't want to trivialize or minimize some of those things, but Peter has a little bit of a different concept of what it means to suffer. And, what he's ta- and who he's talking to are some people who, if you would say, are you suffering? And they would begin to articulate what's taking place within their lives. Um, we would probably be a little bit more quiet with some of the things that we often say we suffer from. Uh, these guys, like I said before, he's writing to an audience that, has been, that is being dipped in oil and, used, and, and lit on fire and used as literally as human torches. They're being... Uh, they're being thrown, literally thrown to the lions. Uh, uh, they're they're being um, uh, taken to arenas where you know they're just released while these bi- these wild animals are chasing them while people are cheering it on and probably gambling and doing all that kind of stuff too. When you think about that, I think about my sufferings and compare it to that, and and mine don't stack up quite as high. And so I, you know I think about that and I think I think about how he's writing this letter to them and he's saying things like, "Hey, what I want you to do is I want you." respect and I want you to pray for the person who's thrown you to the lions. I want you to consider, I want you to, to you know, lift up in prayer the person who is, you know, the people who are, who are making the, the uh, decree or the law or whatever that's, that's persecuting you and dipping, and, and, uh, dipping you in oil and, and burning you alive. I want you to pray for those types of people. That, I think, would be a very hard message to, to hear. I think for some of us, even sitting in here this morning, when we talk about suffering, um, it's going to be a bit challenging for us to hear as well. But, in this, you know, but I really hope and pray that you allow the Spirit to just connect with your spirit and, and um, just kind of walk, just, I, I just pray you have that God encounter this morning. First of all, I want to identify three types of suffering. The first one is this, common suffering. Common suffering comes from just being a hu- human being living in this fallen world. We experience things that, were not desi- that was not designed for us to experience. We experience things from living in a world that has fallen. And what that means is that this world, with the way it was created, was created perfect. It was created without sin. It was created without sickness. It was created without disease. It was created with, it was created perfect. And as we know, as we read back in Genesis, as soon as sin entered into the world, it literally disrupted that whole, that whole uh, sense of perfection. And so now you and I get the blessing of living in this fallen world, which means there's going to be a time where every single one of us sitting in here is going to die. Some of us will die uh, quicker than others. Some of us will die at an, uh, at an earlier date than others. Some of us will say, well, I, you know, I'm only 32 or I'm only 37 and I've got so X amount of 
years, 40, 50, 60 years left before I die. And, and, and next thing you know, they, you might be cut down pretty quick by an accident on the road. And we, and we ask the question, why? But it comes from common suffering. We live in a fallen world. Everybody experiences this. The second, the second type of suffering is the carnal suffering. Now, carnal suffering is different because it, you're, what happens in carnal suffering uh, some of the bonehead decisions you may make, some of the dis- uh, stupid decisions that you, and I don't know how else to articulate it, but some of those decisions that you may make within your life that are, not, that, that are contrary to the Word of God, and you begin to experience the implications of that decision, that could be carnal suffering. For instance, the Word of God says this, a man reaps whatever he sows. Let's say, you know, we know that the Bible, uh, we know that the Word of God teaches us that uh, sex is supposed to be within the confines of our, uh, of our marriage. And let's say that some of us, some of us in here, we say, well, you know, I want to go outside of that. I'm experiencing temptation. I want to enjoy the pleasures of that. And so we go out, we have sex, and we have AIDS. You're going to now have some carnal suffering. You're now going to reap some of uh, the suffering from a bad decision that's contrary to the Word of God. You may, be, uh, you may one day decide that you're going to drink, and you drink too much, you get drunk. The Word of God teaches us about, well, uh, about drunkenness, but nevertheless, you become drunk. You get behind the wheel of your car, you're driving your family, you have an accident, you lose a child or a, loved, a spouse or whoever it is. You are going to experience some of the, some of the uh, implications of a bad decision. That's carnal suffering. And so, but, uh, so you've got the common suffering, the carnal suffering, and what we're going to look at today and what Peter's talking about is the Christian suffering. And what Christian suffering means is this. Is this. It's when you suffer for doing good. It's when you suffer for doing good. It's, it's when you suffer for being a believer. When you do the right thing, when you live out the values, it's, it's suffering redemptively. And Jesus is the best example of this. He lived the perfect life. He did nothing wrong, but yet he suffered. He suffered and, and, and was uh, crucified on the cross. And so today, that's the type of suffering we're going to look, look at uh, as we look at Peter's uh, words. So if you would turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 12 through 19 if you would follow along with with me. First Peter chapter four, verses 12 through 19. And in these verses, this is what Peter says. And, and, and remember, as we read these, I want you to just think about his audience. I want you to think about who he was writing to, who we just articulated to, and listen to the words that he says to them. He says this, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But Rejoice. That's a hard pill to swallow. I haven't been, I haven't risked the fact of being fed to lions, literally. I haven't been, I haven't risked the, the um, concept of being dipped in oil and burned as a human torch. I haven't been thrown in an arena where I'm chased by wild animals and people's cheering it on. But these guys have, and he has. The audacity to write, but rejoice? That's pretty tough. I mean, that's tough stuff even for us sitting in here this morning as we start talking about this. It's even a challenge for us, but to them, nevertheless, I find that extremely uh, tough to hear. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory, for the spirit of, of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler, carnal suffering. 
However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And it is hard for the righteous to be saved. And what, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Lord God, as we come to you, as we come into this time and uh, space of our morning, I pray that you would just remove all distractions. And God, as we just sang the song that had the words that said, the enemy can't be in the presence of your great name. God, when, he, when, when the enemy, when Satan hears your great name, he has to flee. So in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask that Satan would be removed from this place today. I pray, God, that your spirit, your Holy Spirit, would have free reign in this room right now. I pray, God, that our thoughts, our hearts, our minds would be centering upon lifting you up and giving you glory that you so deserve. I pray that you would anoint this time. I pray, God, that people might find you this morning. I pray that they might respond to your call. I pray that they might respond to the love that you, are, that you, are, that you so desperately want to shower upon them. I pray for healing to take place. I pray for bondage to be loose, loosened. And I pray that your will would be done. Let us encounter you this morning, God. Let us give you our hearts. Let us allow you to have free reign right now as we pray. And I ask this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As we take a look at this, Peter talks about this whole concept of Christian suffering. The first one, through our reading of these verses, he says this. Realize that it's going to happen. In verse 12, I'm going to read from a different translation now, but in verse 12, uh, he says this. Dear friends, do not be surprised by the painful things you're suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. He says, don't be upset when it happens. Don't be upset when you start experiencing people putting you down or people challenging your faith. He says, don't be frightened. Don't get all shook up. Don't get caught off guard. Don't get all sideways with things. But be prepared because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. If you're going to be a believer, there are points in our lives, there are points in your life that it's going to happen. Jesus was very realistic about this. Jesus was extremely upfront with this. People would come to him and say, hey, I want to follow you with my life. I want to follow after you. I believe in your teaching. I want to follow you. And he, he tur- would turn and often say this, if you're going to follow me, you need to count the cost first. Because this isn't going to be some primrose path that we're going to go down. There's going to be times where you're going to suffer. There are going to be times where things aren't pleasant. There are going to be times where you're not going to have a place to lay your head. There's going to be times where you're going to be persecuted. There's going to be times where things are not going to be pleasant. And if you're going to follow me, you need to count the cost first because that is the life that I'm calling you to. And it's not some American dream that we get caught up in at times where it says, well, I'm entitled to all this. I'm entitled to these certain blessings. I'm entitled to, you know, to to have this good life. There's a big difference. Jesus saying, the life that I'm calling you to, it may not be pleasant at times. And Peter says, in fact, realize that it's not going to be. Realize that it's going to get hard. Jesus also said in 15, uh, John 15, 20, he says this, No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. I wonder how many of us in here could say, you know what, I've been persecuted this week by because of my faith. 
I've been persecuted this week because of my faith, because of the values that I stand on, because of the principles that I believe in, because I'm living this book out, because I'm living out what this book has to say. I've been persecuted. See, sometimes we buy into this erroneous thought that says this, if I do everything right, everything will be okay. If I do everything right, everything's going to come out okay. However, then, that means the opposite would be true that would say this. If I did something wrong, or if, I, if, I, if I, I'm experiencing something wrong over here, I must have messed up over here. I must have not done something right over here. And we look at Jesus' life, and we see him nailed to the cross. Did he do something wrong? He did everything right. The Bible tells us he lived a perfect life, yet he was crucified. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a part of this life, there are going to be times where you are going to be persecuted. You're not above me, but you're going to experience some of the same things that I experienced. And here's the issue, guys. When we decide to follow Christ, when, when we've reached out and, and, and we've taken a hold of that incredible gift of grace and salvation that God is, so, is, is freely giving us, and we've accepted that gift of grace and salvation, right then and there, all hell is going to break loose against your life. Why? Because the Bible teaches, as Paul says in Ephesians 6.12, that we're not fighting against human beings, but wicked spiritual forces. We are fighting. Satan, the enemy, wants to bring you down. Satan wants to bring God down, but he knows that he can't bring God down. He knows that God, there's no way he can ever defeat God. So what is he going to do next? He's going to go after God's greatest possession, and he's going to come after you, and he's going to come after me. And when we begin to live lives that's based upon this book, that's based upon, that's based upon the values, we, we implement them within our lives, and we, 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 we are building our lives upon the foundation in which Christ is saying for us to build our lives upon, when we begin to do that, Satan Satan rears his ugly head and we engage in this spiritual battle that wants to bring us down. It wants to keep, he wants to keep us discouraged. He wants to keep us depressed. He wants to keep us overwhelmed. He wants us, as we talked about last week, to live these stale, these stale spiritual counterfeit lives that's not full of life whatsoever. It's not full of life that Jesus offered. And that's what he wants. And for some of us, that's what we experience. For some of us sitting here this morning, that's all we know. And we read a passage of Scripture where Jesus says, I want to give you life, and I want to give you life to the fullest. We don't understand that because what we're experiencing as a Christ follower is not that. It's because there is a war raging against our, for our souls. And the enemy wants so desperately to keep you stalemated and living in this lethargic, Christian, so-called Christian way. Peter says, you know what? Realize that it's going to happen. Realize that you're going to be persecuted. Jesus was persecuted against. Realize that it's going to take place and be prepared. The second thing he points out is this. Rejoice, as we talked about as we were reading the passage of Scripture. Rejoice when it happens. He says this in verse 13. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. He says, don't complain, but celebrate. Don't have a pity party, but have a party. That sounds like some martyr complex, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like something absolutely ridiculous? It doesn't, but however, it doesn't say enjoy when you're put down for Christ, but it says rejoice. A huge difference. If some of us are, there's a difference between enjoyment versus rejoicing. Enjoyment means that we get pleasure out of it. Enjoyment means that when we suffer for Christ, that there's this, or when we suffer, that we get some type of pleasure out of it. Rejoicing means that I can go through this and still have a positive attitude. That's extremely hard. 
That's extremely hard to think that I, as I suffer, as I'm being suffered for my values, as I suffer and I'm being persecuted for, for what I really truly believe in, that I can actually rejoice in it. God doesn't say, you know, He doesn't say enjoy persecution, but He says rejoice in it. Have a positive attitude. There's, it, it's a choice to rejoice. And here's why. A couple of reasons. Number one, Rejoice because suffering draws me closer to God. He says this, These trials will make you partners with Christ in His suffering, and afterwards you will have the wonderful joy of sharing His glory. That word partner, is in the Greek it means koinonia. And we've talked about koinonia. Koinonia is the word for fellowship. It means a closeness. It means intimacy. It means a commonness. How many of you have been in a situation, whether it be like a disaster, a fire, something that kind of took place within uh, with, 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 with you, your family, or a group of people, and, and what happened was you guys came together and you went went through that disaster together. I knew some people in Florida that went through one of the hurricanes uh, together. And they, you know, some of them lost all electricity, but there was like one person who didn't lose electricity and they invited all these people over. And so as they dealt with this whole hurricane, they, they huddled together and they had a good time together. And because of that, because of the suffering per se, the temp, this, this, this earthly uh, suffering in a sense, they experienced this closeness with one another. It's the same concept as here, except not as not like koinonia in this sense, but it's the same concept. You draw closer. As we go through sufferings in this world, sufferings because of our Christian faith, when we go through those types of sufferings, it draws us closer to Christ because we, we lean on Him more. It bonds us together more. It creates this intima, a closer intimacy with Him. And it says that when we suffer for Jesus' name, we have this koinonia, this fellowship with Christ. Philippians, Paul says this, I want to know. Listen to these words. Listen to this aspiration of Paul. He says, I want to know Christ and the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know Christ and his koinonia of his suffering. I want to know him personally. There's a huge difference between knowing about God and knowing God personally. For some of us, we know a lot about God. We've sat through classes, we've read the Bible, we sit, we discuss, we do all these things, and we may know a lot about God, but we really don't know God really personally and intimately. And sometimes we have to go through the fire to do that. And when we go through the fire for Jesus, we're going to go through the fire with Jesus. And it draws us closer to Him. The second thing is this, it means that God can be seen in my life. He writes in verse 14, when people insult you because you follow Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of God is within you. I wonder how, you know, when, when you think about this, you know, when, when some, some of the persecution that can take place, some of the suffering that takes place is because other people see Christ living inside of you. You're sitting in a meeting. You're, you're, the way you think, you're going up against some of the other types of thinking because your, your thinking is based upon the values and the principles and the concepts of this book. Maybe there's times where you have to excuse yourself at a meeting because you just don't disagree. Maybe you have to excuse yourself out of a relationship or, you know, or whatever it may be, a situation because, it, because what you're engaged in is not healthy. What you're engaged in is not, is not in, uh, uplifting to you and it's, and it's attacking or uh, maybe not just attacking, but it's going against what you truly believe. And as you do that, people see Christ living inside of you. People see something living inside of you and it offends them. Because they take it personally. And so you become persecuted about it, but they're seeing God. And when that happens, there's a, t- there's, a, there's a point where you can almost say, congratulations, because someone is seeing something different inside of me. 
I'm not going with the flow. I'm not one of just a flow. Paul, ta- Paul told Timothy this. He said, all who live godly will suffer persecution. Everybody who lives godly, that lives out these values and, and these concepts, will suffer persecution. The, second, or the next thing is this. Refuse to be, put to, uh, to be ashamed. Don't be intimidated by cynics. Don't be, uh, don't be intimidated by your critics. Don't run from the situation when your faith's on trial. We talked about this a few weeks ago where we said people are watching us. People are watching you. If you say that you're a Christ follower, if you say that you're a believer, they're looking to see if you truly live out those beliefs in the situations where it's really tested. Again, it's the whole concept of the end of your rope. Your faith is being tested. Your faith is being proven genuine. How else will you know if your faith is genuine until it's tested? And and let's face it, guys. you got to look at your life. What happens when you're going through some persecution? What happens when you're going through some suffering? Do you run from it? Do you get all worried? Do you get all anxious? Do you panic? How do you respond? People are watching. People are watching. Refuse to be ashamed. Stand up for what you believe. He says this, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear His name. Peter's saying it's not a matter of just not doing the bad things. It's being proud for doing what you know is right. For admitting the right things and not being embarrassed. For standing up for what you truly believe. The problem is, a lot of times, we don't stand up for what we believe because we're fear of rejection. We're afraid of what someone else might say or might think about us when we should worry about what God thinks about us. Jesus says this, Happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. The next thing is this, remember the reward. A couple of weeks ago, I don't know how many, a few weeks ago, we talked talked about this very concept too. We get so passionate about the temporary. And when I say the temporary, I'm talking about all this stuff. I'm talking about the world we live in. I'm talking about as we go out into our world, a lot of stuff is just is all temporary. And for some of us, we will get so upset. We will get so sideways. We will get so worked up over things that one day it's all going to go away. One day it's all going to go. Second Corinthians, Paul says this. These troubles and sufferings of ours are, after all, quite small. And they're not going to last very long. For some of us, we're thinking, man, this is eternal. This is what it all is. And we get all upset over things that's not going to last. Things that's not going to last. He goes on to say this, yet this short time of distress will result in God's richest blessings upon us forever and ever. You know, it's so easy for us to get caught up in that. It's so easy for us to get caught up in the things that we can touch, the things that we can grab a hold of, the things that we can see. And lose sight of what's temporary and what's eternal. Peter says, when you start getting wrapped up in the temporary so much, when you start identifying with the temporary, when you start really getting into that, into the, into that flow or vein of that, he says, you're caring about things way too much. You're caring about the wrong things. You need to be caring about what God, the God things. Caring about what, what, what it is that God wants. And the reward is absolutely incredible. Romans 8.17, Paul says this, So we are God's children. If we share in Christ's suffering, we will also share in His glory. The last thing I want to share with you is this. When this whole concept about um, suffering is this. Remain faithful to God. Remain faithful to God. 
He says, so then, those who suffer according to do God's will. Remain faithful. Don't run from it. Do you, do you realize that, and I, and I really do believe this, I believe that there are times in God's will that He allows us to suffer. I, re- I really believe that. I believe that He allows us to endure suffering from time to time. You know why? Because He's looking to build our character. And the one thing that we miss out on, and I think we flip this one as well, I think sometimes we're more concerned or we truly believe that God cares more about our comfort than He does our character. And sometimes the only way to grab our attention, sometimes there is only one way to grab your attention, and that is when something hits you and you get to the end of your rope and you don't have any place else to turn. And that's when you turn to God and you say, God, I need you. And that's when God begins to form your character and reshape your character and start refining and smoothing out some of those areas in your life, making you into the person that He's created you to be. For some reason, we as humans cannot get it through our heads that maybe this could take place before that. Why is it that we have to get to the end of our ropes for that to happen many times? Why is it that God, why is it that God has to use something so crazy for us to finally say, Whoa! I've been living my life outside of his, outside of his boundaries. I've been trusting in things. I've been trusting in false idols that's not producing what I, what I think they should produce or what I thought they would produce. And we just become so broken. But I think God uses those to develop our character and to create into us the person that He wants us to be. Guys, as I wrap this up, this whole series and today... This talk, I just want to, sh- I want to ask you a couple of questions. Let me ask you this. Do people notice Christ in your life? Can people look into your life and say, that per- there is something different about that person. That person has a faith. That person has, some- they, 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 you know, whether I agree with their faith or not, they're at least living out what they say that they believe in. Could they say that about you? The people you go to school with, the people that you work with, your neighbors. Do people who you're around all the time, know where you stand. Not on the temporary values, not the things that get you all sideways with the temporary things, but I'm talking about this. I'm talking about the Word of God. Do they know where you stand on the Word of God? And have you shared that good news of Jesus Christ with them? Have you ever been ashamed to take the stand? As I said before, I I really hope that this, this whole series has challenged you. Because I think this has been an absolutely powerful series uh, in the words of Peter have just been alone just in his first letter. There's another letter here that we can go into. But it's been very powerful. And guys, I pray that you've allowed the Holy Spirit and you, you will allow the Holy Spirit to just grab a hold of your heart and captivate it. I believe that God is here right now. I believe that His desire is that, that you have an incredible intimate encounter with Him. I believe he wants that with every single person sitting in this room. One of the things I struggle with so much as a pastor is, I want to change hearts. I want to change hearts. I want to reach down in some of your guys' lives, and I want to change your heart. The only problem is, with that, I can't do that. I don't have the power to do that. The only person that really has the power to do that, God has the power, but the only person that has to do that is you. To allow Him to come in. And mold your life into the person, into the life that He wants you to have. You're the only person 
you're, you're in control. I can't do that. The church can't do that. We could run programs left and right. We could come to this church 24-7. We could all start living together. Talk about koinonia or, or hating each other. We could live together. Nothing is going to change that. Your heart, unless you allow the power of the Holy Spirit to grab it and to captivate it. And surrender to that. What will you do? You know, we go through this whole concept of suffering. We come to the end of our rope. The cool thing is this. We're going to close with a song called Everlasting God because He is the one that is the, that is the solid. He is the one that remains true nonstop. He is the one that regardless of what we're experiencing, the persecution, the suffering, whatever it may be that we're going through, He is the one that we can reach out and grab a hold of and find that peace and find the ability to get through whatever it is and to become the person that he's called us to be. So what will you do? As we engage in this song, I pray that you just open your hearts, your minds to God, allow him to just grab a hold of them and just make it a prayer of your life. Would you do that as we sing?